Can you hear me okay? Yes. You are non-robotic. You're okay. you are you're full Aaron quality. <laughs> I'm achieved full Aaron. <laughs> you never go full Aaron. <laughs> no, you, yeah, once, you a, nev- once a year. Once a year for a weekend, sure. <laughs> you never go ass to mouth. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but you always go full Aaron. All right. Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. So guys, I have been traveling all over the state of Texas for the last 10 weeks. And I have been in little teeny towns. I've been in big towns. I have been I have been all over this state achieving great a great deal, a great deal of windshield time. I have been in in big airports, I have been in small airports, and I have driven a ton of rental cars. And when I got to El Paso, you know, I'm I'm an Emerald Isle member. So that means that when I get to the rental place, I get my pick of rental cars. Right. They had this whole little section of cars and say, Mr. Head, you can choose whichever of these cars you'd like. And you you always kind of hope maybe maybe it'll be something really cool. You know, well, when I got to El Paso, they had a minivan for me. It was the only car there. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I'm cruising around El Paso, making my services available to pick all the kids up from soccer. (laughs) Uh, I I was a little cheesed about my minivan, but. I, I go to the hotel next morning. I'm plugging in my uh, my route for uh, for my morning meeting, and the morning sun is coming in such that I can't see the screen of my iPhone. So I pull up under the little covered walkway, uh, you know, in front of the hotel, so that I can you know see my screen. So I'm plugging in the address to GPS, and all of a sudden the sliding door of the minivan opens up. Guy throws in his bag, climbs in, and says. I'm going to the airport. <laughs> and I look up in the rearview mirror and I said, I said, wow, uh, I am too, but not till like four o'clock this afternoon. Um, you're welcome to join me, uh, you know, where I'm going today. And then I can take you to the airport. And he's looking at me. He's like, what? And I said, dude, I'm, I'm not the shuttle driver. <laughs> this is this is this is my rental car. I, I'm, I'm not the shuttle bus. And he starts getting all pissed off like I've done something wrong. And I said, I said, would, would, would you mind posing for a selfie with me? <laughs> and and he, he wouldn't do it and got really angry and got out of the car. But, uh, yeah, he thought it was the shuttle. <laughs> that could have gone poorly, Aaron. It, it, it just feels like what? it could have gone poorly. Random stranger got in my car and got mad at me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, you while, know, while this is a start. Been- well, this is the start of a lot of horror movies. It's also the start of a lot of pornos. <laughs> I'm not the limo driver. There's a lot of room in this well, van. You know, I, I was just, I was very amused by the whole thing. And I was just like, I, I got to get a picture of this guy for Instagram. But he, he wasn't willing to take the picture. You should have just drove him some random place. Be like, get out of my car. <laughs> like bang bus. You should have just left him somewhere. <laughs> Does anyone else think when Aaron started that story about traveling all across Texas that he was part of like a one man act? Well, so how'd, you your, know, how'd your show go, Aaron? I, I have been, you know, it's I, I've been on, uh, I've been doing running meetings all across the state of Texas, and and I, I've been referring to it as 
it's uh, you know, brother loves traveling salvation show, <laughs> spreading the good news. So, yeah. <laughs> How much snake oil did you sell? Are you doing okay? A lot of snake oil. Lots right. of snake oil. Yeah. I just expected him to turn around and tell the guy, you know, ask gas or grass. No one writes for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron, it sounds like you had you had a, a glorious time uh, the last couple of weeks. I did. Um, let, me, let, me, let me tell you about my week. Please do. So uh, I get home and I find that I have no internet. And so I'm losing my shit. I'm not the most technically savvy person. So after I've rebooted the router and I've, rebo- and I've rebooted the uh, modem a couple times, I'm I'm at the point of uh, insanity. <laughs> I it flipped turned- the light switch on a couple of times and nothing happened. <laughs> but, well, listen, that's all I can do, right? <laughs> and, and, and as Wayne can attest, that's the first thing they tell you to do in IT is reset everything. Yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Did you call Steve? Call Steve. <laughs> Hello, so, this is Steve. I help you. <laughs> this, is, this is Steve from Florida. <laughs> Bullshit, Steve. <laughs> so I uh, uh, we, we figured we figured out um, that it was just the router. So I have one internet machine in my house. This is the end times. I don't know how people fucking lived. This is this is it, terrible. Like yeah. like. You know, I got Sunday direct ticket, so I said, if that PlayStation doesn't have a doesn't have a fucking Ethernet jack, I'm gonna end the world. <laughs> so upset. And when did this happen? Uh, this happened Thursday. Ugh. This, so, this just sounds awful. How long was it before it got fixed? It's not fixed yet. Oh, so that you're t- you're talking from your only working machine right now? Yes. Yes. Oh. Winnie is thrilled. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's you yeah. Know, so that's the rapture. It's the end times. I'm. It, ugh. it seems like you know that this that that you're one of the left behind. You know that, <laughs> with my, that you, with my you, phone and yeah. Yeah, you didn't get sucked up into heaven with all the good people. You're left here with the bad people to rot in in the coming days of hell. Like us. Well, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, one, I'm not surprised, and and two, I knew you guys would be here. <laughs> you don't know. I could be calling you from heaven. <laughs> now, Skype would be better in heaven. <laughs> One would hope. Yeah, Aaron, I, I don't. I don't think that's heaven. <laughs> so, so that's that's Aaron's update on on his on his week. That's my update on my week. So, uh, my week started with seeing Shin Godzilla. I think I talked about this last week, how I was very excited to see Shin Godzilla. Shinai Godzilla by the 4th of July? <laughs> what? I don't know what that means. He's only, he's only like so tall. He's like two feet tall. Shin- yeah, he's, he just comes up to your shin. <laughs> played by the guy that he's played Minnie He's one of those Vietnamese pot-bellied Godzillas. <laughs> <laughs> their, their hair is very coarse. You don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> so there was a limited engagement to see uh this Godzilla film but it's you know uh it's the first Japanese Godzilla film since um 2000 wow. since Godzilla 2000 and so I was very excited to see this film <sighs> and I gotta say it was a really really good film but it is the most talkative talkity talk 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 film I think I have ever seen 
um, you know, it's Japanese, uh, original language Japanese with English subtitles. And at points, there were three subtitles on the screen. Oh, God. Where they're telling you who's talking, wow. where they're talking, and what they're saying. And it's, so the, the concept behind Shin Godzilla, it's very much a... Uh, you know, Godzilla um, has a political message behind it, and it's about bureaucrats and governments and Japan stepping out from the shadow of the United States and yada, yada, yada. And uh, it, it, very much of the film takes place in boardrooms and conference rooms and computer rooms where the government is trying to deal with Godzilla attacking their country. Um, and so it's just two hours of straight talking by multiple people simultaneously and you know at some point in the film they take a breather someone takes a breath and i look up i'm like all right who the fuck is that because i mean i've just been reading the bottom of the screen the entire time i don't know what anyone looks like (laughs) because it is constant talking i mean it's one of those films where they say i'm gonna call somebody and they don't skip ahead you know to, to 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 assume that the audience understands that that phone call has been made. No, (laughs) you see the phone call, you see the guy pick up the phone, you see them repeat what they just said and you see him hang up the phone. And it's like, Oh my God, (laughs) I don't know that I need everything to see every single moment of this conversation. So it's Godzilla in real time. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it at points. Now that there is no, there's no time compression through editing. It is real time. (laughs) I mean, at points it really does feel like it. Um, and, Again, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, but it is it is exhausting. <laughs> it, it is two hours of speed reading um, with about you know twenty minutes interspersed of fantastic Godzilla action. Um, you know, I, I don't mind a subtitled film, but I'm very particular in wh- in how the subtitles have to be done. Uh, so let me ask you, Paul, was this the, the yellow characters on the screen or were they using some other color for the, for the subtitles? Uh, I think it was white. White. See, I, white is so hard to read. Like if you've got a white background, mm-hmm. so like for instance, in fear of the walking dead, there's a lot of Spanish, uh, spoken in the show. And so they subtitle it and they'll put white text on almost a pure white background. And so you miss half the dialogue. I really prefer the the uh, yellow subtitles are much easier to read. I'm pretty sure it was white with, you know, black outline. Yeah. Um, I never had a problem reading it. I had a problem if there were with three the speed of, them, of it with the speed of it. And yeah. how, I mean, yeah. it, when I when I say three, I'm I'm not kidding. And in American film, I understand that we have that, too. Right. Like it'll say, you know, United Nations. This is, you know, Senator, blah, blah, blah. And this and and this is what he's saying. And that's. Basically, you know, a lot of what happened, like this is John and he's in this building and here's what he's saying, you know, at the speed of light. I mean, it just it was very overwhelming, um, the amount of subtitles. And I was able to keep up with the film. But wow, wow, it was exhausting after a couple of beers. Um, Yeah. So Shin Godzilla, still a very good film. I recommend seeing it. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the U.S. Godzilla a couple of years ago. Um, So tell me about the creature effects. So uh, it's it is CG, you know. It's it's not just a man in a suit, and the the and I don't want to give away too much because I I was surprised at the way they took the story. Um, but you basically see uh, the the evolution of Godzilla. Um, it, so it's a complete reboot, and and how the country deals with him. Um, the effects I thought were were really solid. At first, I was a little concerned because um, the first time you see Godzilla is a little funky, but it, it seems like then they came to in their own and the the 
the the destruction was just amazing. Um, mm. The design of Godzilla is a little weird. Um, he, he's definitely uh, awkward in the way um, that they designed him. Um, especially, he, he he has very noticeable eyes. <laughs> Almost like, um, you know how they put those little googly eyes on things online? <laughs> yes. He, he kind of has googly eyes. So he looks surprised all the time. He does. He looks surprised See, all the time. Paul, you're making me really nervous for this because I'm a Godzilla fan. And first of all, the idea of a... Uh, you know, computer-generated Godzilla from a Japanese studio scares me because they don't have the same budget that U.S. studios do. But second, googly-eyed Godzilla. It is googly-eyed Godzilla. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to uh, to soften the blow on that one. But Wayne, it is a good film. Uh, I'm a big Godzilla fan as well, uh, and I enjoyed the film. It, but it is not. You know, in Japanese Godzilla films didn't start out as Godzilla versus other giant monster films. Uh, they just turned into that. And so this is very much, a, you know, a modern take on, on Godzilla and how people would deal with him in today's society. Uh, yes, uh, the, the fact that they don't have the uh, the budget that American films do is, is evident, but they do a damn good job with what they have. So well, I'm I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'll catch it on Blu-ray. Yeah, and I recommend that um, because you can rewind if you miss something. That's right. You can run it slow so you can, you can keep up with the words. Yeah, or <laughs> to a, a certain extent, it may even come with uh, di- with uh, dubbing, which I don't recommend. But quite frankly, yeah, I don't care for dubbing. I'd rather you know read the subtitles. But you know, if you've got umpteen zillion uh, people talking at the same time. Uh, it makes it hard to keep up. But he is a fan of dubstepping. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, so that's how my week started and my week ended uh, last night with uh, going to the I Love the 90s concert, uh, which featured Salt and Peppa, Coolio, oh, um, Rob Bass, Kid and Play, uh, All for One, and Vanilla Ice. Oh, dear. It's you know if we could just have dropped a uh, bug bomb. <laughs> right so <there>. B- <laughs> Bismarcky wasn't at yours. He was not yours. at mine. No, because this oh. was in St. Louis a few weeks ago. Yeah, they changed the lineup from show to show depending on availability. I think. Did you push it real good? Yes, it was pushed. <laughs> All right. So I know somebody that went to the St. Louis one, and I have to ask Paul. Did you buy the Vanilla Ice Ninja Turtles t-shirt? I almost did. And so they have a Vanilla Ice Ninja Turtles t-shirt. And it, and it was 30 bucks. If it was 20 bucks, it would have been buy, buy a must-buy. But it was a $30 t-shirt. So I'm like, well, let me see if I like his performance first. And so... Oh, the the answer is going to be no. The answer is going to be... <laughs> well, so let me, let me say that I preface this by saying, when I went to the show, I'm like, I am only going to see Vanilla Ice perform Ninja Rap. After that, oh, you weren't you weren't there for Ice Ice Baby. I could give a shit about Ice Ice Baby. I wanted my ninja rap, <laughs> and so you know, I didn't realize that Vanilla Ice was the headliner of the show. Also, so I had to you know sit through the other six bands. Well, oh, that's star power, is what I'm saying. <laughs> wow, <laughs> and you know, and, and so you know, Vanilla Ice finally comes on, and here's the thing: after, other than Coolio, I think everyone did a really good job. It was a fun show. And then Vanilla Ice comes on the stage, and he's got, like, the inflatable lawn Halloween decorations all over the stage, and banners advertising his HGTV and do-it-yourself network shows. 
<laughs> but not his appearance on Dancing with the Stars. He, no, but he did mention it. Um, Dancing with the Stars and, and season seven of the Vanilla Ice Project coming soon to uh, HGTV. Um, Apparently, if there's one thing that Ice can do, it's self-promote. Yeah. Yeah. He can stop, collaborate, and listen, too. Um, but so, you know, he starts with Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, and I get all excited. And then he sings the fucking recent Ninja Rap 2. That was like the hard rock one that he did with Insane Clown Posse. And he never sang the original Ninja Rap, which was my only reason for being there. <laughs> I felt like like burning the place to the ground. Because at I one had point... Oh, I had a very similar experience when I went to go see David Bowie years and years ago, and he didn't play any of his hits. He just played new stuff. Ugh. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> well, so, you see, I, I feel your pain. Yeah, everyone gets excited when he says, you know, when he starts with Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, and everyone's like, you. And then he breaks into this like hard rock version that no one knows. And, yeah, I I heard that version on YouTube. I hated it. Mm hmm. It's very hateable. Um, yeah. The original Ninja Rock I had on VHS. Yeah. And I watched that thing so many times that I wore through the tape. So I didn't buy the T-shirt because he didn't sing the goddamn song. Um, like at one point he's like, you know, they, they break into a freestyle battle and Coolio and Rob Bass come up on stage. And, and then he's like, guys, this is the first night we've ever done it. It was just kind of a, a spur of the moment thing. I'm like. It's that fucking spur of the moment thing that made you not sing my ninja rap because now you don't have time. So I got mad at Vanilla Ice. I'm mad at you, Vanilla Ice. Well, Paul. Yes, sir. Vanilla Ice is a Dallas guy. So the next time you're in town, we'll just drive over. Oh, yeah. I'll just have him sing it for me in person. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll you know, just beat on his door. And when he shows up, you know, we force our way inside the house. It's a home invasion is what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 and, and hopefully and, and then I will buy the t-shirt that's Post right home invasion here's your 30 bucks give me the goddamn t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> no we're not promoting home invasion nor, nor vanilla ice yeah. <laughs> do as we say not as we do one, one of those two things is acceptable the other one's vanilla ice <laughs> 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 well, Good speaking grief. of acceptable, there was some very, very acceptable news this week, which is that finally, after years of speculation, Rockstar Games in 2017, I think 2017, it might be 20, no, it's fall 2017. If it's not 2017, someone's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> It'll show up at the same time as uh, Ninja Rap. Uh, is Red Dead Redemption 2. I was so goddamn excited. Like, the first thing I did was I jumped up and I turned to Juanita. I said, you know what it's going to be, Juanita? It's going to be hours and hours of you watching a horse ass go through the fucking <laughs> of me skinning animals with the like, <laughs> I'm so happy. And picking flowers. Yeah, Don't forget the picking flowers. Yeah, no, she, she, I'll put her on flower duty. She's good at that. So, Paul. Yes, sir. What do we know about this other than that it's coming in the fall? Uh, they they have a teaser trailer. Um, it's very oh. bare. Um, there's not much to it. It just shows uh, some characters in the world, and it it shows seven men riding horseback, uh, and it shows how beautiful the graphics are going to be. And which systems do we know? PlayStation Four and Xbox One. 
I tell you, I, Riders Red Dead Redemption is so my jam. So uh, I, I, I'm a Red Dead Revolver fan. I'm a Red Dead Redemption fan. And uh, I don't have a next-gen system, but uh, I will by then because holy shit. You have a year. So. I've only read – I only played Redemption, but I loved it so much. Well, uh, I, I, you know, I've already committed that I've got to buy a system so that I can play uh, – uh, Star Trek Bridge Commander. So, you know. so, so PS4, and then we can be buddies. Okay. Oh, so Aaron, speaking of, remember how we played that Star Trek Bridge thing? Um, yeah. And we, you know, we watched it, and they said, you know, game will be out in November or whatever. And we said, really? Yeah, it because it's that so finished. buggy. Yeah, delayed. Yeah. It's it's been delayed. Yeah. Has it? Yes. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, they, they them saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming out," you know, in time for uh, the holidays. I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I can see. It. I can. I can tell what kind of release this is going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a great game. Don't get me wrong. I had a. I had a ton of fun playing that game, but it clearly wasn't ready for prime time. No, you know that's that that when when the when they have a representative from the company playing the game with you because it's got issues. You know, it's probably not ready to be released in another two months. Did they say when it's going to be released? Uh, next year. I mean, it's just been delayed till next year. I don't think it's, uh, you know, they haven't given a new date, I don't believe. But probably, yeah. you know, certainly before Red Dead Redemption 2. So you still have that time, Aaron. Get that next year. Very good. Very good. And if you get a PS4, wait, Tim, what do you have? PS4. If you get a PS4, <laughs> you can play online Red Dead Redemption with Tim and I, and we can have our own crew. Ooh. Ooh. I have a... I have a PS4, but I don't really do online. So, Aaron, if you, you get a PS4, you can play with Tim and I. <laughs> and not Wayne, <laughs> apparently. Wayne, if you get Red Dead Redemption 2, we'll, we'll, we'll allow you into our, our posse. Oh, God. We, we can, oh, we I'm get, getting uh, it. That's a we given. Could, we could put that on one of those things. We could be the Funny Books 4. Yeah, and you could stream it or something. <laughs> funny Books 4. I like it. Well, so let's talk about some TV. So we've talked about movies. We've talked about minivans. We've talked about routers. Vanilla eyes. Vanilla eyes. <laughs> let's talk about some TV. Uh, this week, Tim and Aaron have completed watching Luke Cage on Netflix. And uh, I you talk at your uh, at your leisure. I don't care about spoilers. So, uh, Tim, first off, before we before we go down this road. Uh-huh. I had shared my initial feelings about Luke Cage, saying that I didn't feel like the uh, first episode was written nearly as well as like Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, that I felt like it ended well in the last five minutes, but that it didn't have the pop or pizzazz that either of the uh, uh, previous series had. So tell me what your initial thoughts were. For the first episode? Yes, sir. Um, Do you gr- agree with that assessment or did you have a different perspective? No, I, I can agree with that. It's always it's always hard to set the stage. Uh, I'll say so. The first the first episode's always going to be a little. There's a, I always try to grade a little bit on a curve, but I, I get mm-hmm. what you're saying. Jessica Jones didn't seem to have that problem or Daredevil. So yeah, I, right. I agree. It was a little less than what it could have been. Okay. All right. So tell me about the show. Um, you know, I I think I think it was steadily it steadily improved through the first half of the of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed all of the scenes at the uh, the club. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of the club. The uh, Brooklyn Club. Har- Harlem's Paradise. Harlem's Paradise. Yeah, yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed those scenes. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think that it's safe to say, after this is all said and done, 
that the villain at the end of season one was significantly less interesting than the villain at the beginning of season one. Yeah. And it shouldn't have been that way. The yeah. way they were trying to set it up, the, the villain at the end was going to be, you know, he's the one in charge. He's, he's the yeah. top man. And I feel like the man in charge, the top man should have had a different plan for dealing with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he acted like a thug. Yeah. He didn't act like a, like a crime boss. Well, you know, so the, the show sets up, you've got, uh, I forget the actor's name from house of cards that plays Cottonmouth, but, uh, Remy Dent. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Remy <laughs> Dent. So, um, <laughs> you know, and I love that actor. I mean, he's just, he's, he's great on screen, you know, I, and, and, you know, we, we talked about how much we enjoyed that scene where, uh, they superimpose Biggie behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got the crown. I mean, I just thought some of that stuff was just beautifully shot and gave you some indication of who he is. He's also such a tragic character because, you know, they do this great job of not just showing you Luke's origin, which, by the way, I loved. I loved, loved, loved the scenes in the prison. <laughs> uh, I, I just I thought that, you know, that the, the prison fight club was great. I loved the origin story. I just thought all of that was fantastic. The, the prison, the prison scene set up the, the most tragic part of this entire season. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, and then they start giving you more information about who these bad guys are, you know, played, you know, expertly by Alfre Woodard. And uh, again, the guy who played Remy Dent in house of cards, but, uh, the guy who plays Cottonmouth, Cotton, the Cottonmouth character, has this tragic background, and you're just like, oh man, you know, talk, talk about, you know, uh, you know, two different paths and having chosen the wrong path or having been pushed onto the wrong path because he didn't choose that life, you know, he didn't choose the gangster life, the gangster life chose him, and all of that was great, and so you're really building this super interesting character. And then the show shifts at episode seven. And I think that's a ballsy move that Marvel made. I thought that, you know, to have spent the amount of time investing in that character and then to have shifted the story so hard to a different character, um, I thought that was a ballsy move. And I don't know that it was particularly effective. I don't think no. that that the the resolution ultimately to the story was nearly as satisfying as it might otherwise have been. Yeah. The dude, the dude's name is Mahershala Ali. Well, I, I guess, I guess me I, for, uh, pronunciation. If I, yeah, I guess I never knew his name, uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I thought, you know, I, I, I loved all the actors in the show. Um, you know, I love the guy who plays Bobby fish. Um, I, you know, Misty Knight's great. Um, uh, certainly, absolutely love uh uh night nurse so for misty knight do they does she have the robotic arm or do they set that up at all or you know and uh, spoilers it looks like they're setting it up and then they shy away from it and you know the, the, the you know you, you really think oh my god she's gonna lose that arm and then the arm seems fine by the end of the by the end of the uh season yeah, but the, you you know if you show up season two and she has it, you'd at least understand. It's like okay, it wasn't okay. It, the arm was more damaged than we thought. Yeah, but I mean, I, wouldn't it have been much more satisfying for them to amputate the arm this season? You know, and they do set up. They they they. One of my complaints about Luke Cage is that 
there are the season did not seem intended to support itself. It did not seem to me that it was designed to we're going to introduce we're going to fully introduce Luke Cage, you know, because he was introduced in Jessica Jones. But we're fully going to introduce him and set him up and create his world and have a story, you know, have a fully contained story. No, the the entire season feels like it is just leading us to the next story in the Marvel Netflix universe. Um, and that was a little frustrating because you could see all these different things that they were doing to set up Iron Fist, for instance, and to set up the Defenders. And I'm just like, well, that's great, but it sure does feel like, particularly in the last episode of the season, that all of it was set up for the next thing. And that was frustrating to me. So a couple of things I did like, the when there's a, there's a lot of shying away from the the label hero in these in these Marvel right. cinematics, right? Uh, Luke Cage does not do that, right? He does he does get a little whiny about I'm not a hero, but he gets to a point where he's like, you know what, f it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I do love how Bobby Fish goes. Yeah, but you could be a hero for hire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was true. You know? Yeah, that was true. And there is there, you do get to see him for a brief period of time in the yellow shirt and tiara. And that is pretty priceless. And that is a joke throughout the rest of the show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I liked everybody on screen. There wasn't an actor on the screen that I didn't enjoy. Um, uh, Diamondback, I could I could take the lead. Diamondback was was the least was my least favorite. But, it, it, you know, I thought all the actors were doing their jobs. And I thought oh, they yeah, were doing yeah. And the the chemistry between uh, Luke Cage and Claire was fantastic. You know, you would expect to have this chemistry between Misty and Luke, and which was certainly there in the first episode. But as that, you know, relationship grew, the chemistry is between he and Claire. And I just loved it. I mean, I, I love the, the link that those two have. Um, I, the, the, my issues with, with the show have nothing to do with the actors. It's got everything to do with the writing. And, you know, again, not a bad show. I enjoyed it. I watched all up all episodes in the matter of about two, three weeks. But, uh, I think the, the issue is just how they structured this one. You know, Aaron, I gotta be honest. If, if we had to drive 800 miles for you to have an epiphany moment, looking out <laughs> at an Island, I'd, uh-huh. I'd shove you and leave you there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Tim, <laughs> like you couldn't have this epiphany on it anywhere else. <laughs> we had to get out of town. You had to get out of town. Right. You I, had to get out of town. You didn't have to get to Georgia. Yeah. So That's, there's a difference. My feelings about Daredevil seasons one and two and Jessica Jones are that those are fantastic TV shows. Uh, I, I, I think they, they, uh, they, they stand on their own merits. Each season stands on its own. Uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to link into something else, even though they are part of a larger world. Whereas I feel like Luke Cage is very much linked in. And while you don't have to have watched Jessica Jones, it sure does seem like a lot of that stuff's not going to pay off until you watch either Iron Fist or the Defenders. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's fair, but I also didn't think I, I also thought it was worth watching. I did enjoy myself. No, no, like I said, there there were some standout moments, but uh, it, it just I'm not was not overall impressed, and I really wanted to be, and maybe that was my problem. Maybe I went in with my expectations too high because you know I don't just love the characters on the page; I loved the character of Luke Cage in Jessica Jones. 
the, uh, there was there was a there was a spot, Aaron, where I thought we were going to see the end of Juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, Juice is gonna die like a yeah. bitch, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a bitch. Yeah, uh, I was really I'm, I was really glad that uh, it ended up that way. I yeah, uh, yeah Alfre Woodard, pretty uh, pretty solid villain. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 don't, uh, don't don't cross her. <laughs> no. <laughs> and a little off her nut. I should say she's a little <laughs> off her nut. Yeah. I, th- I think somewhere there's a mashup where the where the fax machine from Office Space is getting beaten by Alfred Woodard. <laughs> I think that could happen if you did it yeah. right. Um, no, I, Luke Cage, I would say, is, is a, it was a solid B, which is a step down from what we've seen. But yeah, I agreed. I agreed. Seen. Yeah, yeah, still better than most anything else on television. So there you go. <laughs> Speaking of, have you guys seen any of the season's Flash? I have. I'm. I am completely yeah. current on the season's no. flash. Same. Caught up. I really didn't like the season premiere. I don't know why. I think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed in the premiere as well. I, the only disappointment in the premiere is that I wanted them to be longer in the Flashpoint universe. But at least what happened in Flashpoint is affecting the other stuff going on this season. And hey, we got Jesse Quick. So you know, I'm good. Oh yeah. Because I love this last episode. I'm a huge Jesse Quick fan. Yeah. Because, again, Suicide Squad. Or not Suicide Squad, die. Justice Society. I, you know, I just, you know, I watched the season premiere of The Flash this season, and I was already having issues after last season. I, I felt last season was kind of weak. And the first episode of this season was just like, eh, I really didn't yeah. care for that episode at all. I'm not having any of those issues. Hmm. I thought I thought season two uh, wrapped up nicely. I'm enjoying season three so far. Uh, I, I I I dig the show. I, you and know, I, it's I don't know, I don't think any of you have watched any of uh, this season's Legends of Tomorrow, but Flashpoint has tied into them as well. I mean, I I just I don't know. I want to I want to like it, but because it's the Flash and you know, oh, you just you just need to let yourself love again. I don't know that I can, Aaron. Yeah. I've been burned so many times. Paul, well, <laughs> have you watched the most recent episode with Jesse Quick? I've not. Okay, because as I say, what's not to love about that episode? I can get the the premiere kind of falling flat on you, but if you watch that episode and don't like it, we might have to shiv you. Oh my yeah. god, there's so much shiving going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it is a best practice, Paul. If you re- if you if you'd read your employee manual. That's mm. right. The handbook, Paul. The handbook. Yeah. Page 15. What's, yeah, what's doing a fire drill? How to properly dispose of an annoying coworker. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much to love in this last episode. I, you know, it is probably, it's, well, it's definitely my favorite of the season. That's a given. But I think it may be one of my favorite episodes of the show. All right. All right. Well, I'll get caught up and we'll revisit this conversation. I did. I, you know, one of the things that I, that I have really enjoyed is some of the commentary the show makes about itself. For instance, you know, Barry is talking to Iris and he's like, well, I've kissed you twice and I've erased both, uh, both instances from history through time travel. Like that is hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Barry. Yeah. Good job, Barry. Stupid Barry. Fucking fair. So, some movie news. We had two big trailers come out this week. You know, and I have to say, from my, I like this trend of the music setting the tone of the trailer. 
because both of these trailers, I think the music was a big part of what I loved about them. Yeah, so we had uh, the first teaser, I should say, for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You know, I, you know I was, uh, I w- I've been avoiding, because every once in a while it'll pop up on one of the one of the little, uh, like Yahoo or whatever, it's like, one of the Guardians people isn't going to be in the movie. I'm like, oh shit, they're cutting Dave Bautista. Oh, oh no, <laughs> I really like Dave Bautista. And I saw the trailer, I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to open it. It was like Do that letter you don't want to open and read. I'm like, no, this is going to make me upset. Oh, and Whatever. he was so You've good got in that the email teaser. that you haven't opened. Come on. <laughs> it might be. It, it, it might be having to do with your minivan situation. It could be. It could be. I, I just figured Aaron's email was from his doctor with his test results. Mm. I could be too. <laughs> well, I just like to. I, I I chose not to open up those results until after my trip to New York because I didn't want anything getting between you know me and Paul. Mm. Right, that's fair. Saying yeah. So so now that all. he has read it, Paul, he has to notify you of something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Paul, we need to talk. <laughs> On a very special funny books episode. Yeah. I gave you something that won't come off with soap and water. I, I feel like this is a Charlie Sheen situation about to happen. <laughs> the, the good news is Aaron knows how to cure it. It's just a bunch of tiger's blood. So uh, get on. <laughs> there you That's go. Right. So Guard, Guardian, the Guardians trailer. Um, although I would agree that the, the music set, set the tone for it. It would have been nice had they picked a new song. I, well, I guess it's- I think it's brand recognition, right? Because this is yeah. the, the first teaser. They'll have they'll have new music for the next one. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Because I, I, when they first started playing the song, I'm like, oh, they're going, to, you know, like they're going back to the well on this. But I get that it's a teaser, and you know, this it, that song is so much associated with that film now. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the Star Wars theme. You know, it, it's just it's just let you know, hey, it's coming, and be on the lookout for it, and then they'll do something fresh. Yeah, it was a. Funny I just trailer. hate that. I just hate that we have to wait till summer to see this movie because uh, I, I need it right now. I want to I want to be able to go from seeing Rogue One. I want to see Doctor Strange and then I immediately want to step into Rogue One and then come out of that into Guardians. I need all three of those right at the same time in the next week. You know, Aaron, it sounds like you need a hug. I, <laughs> I, I, need, I need none of those movies as much as I need the movie for the next thing we watched right now. Logan. Oh, Yes. That was another. The music really set the tone of the trailer. They could not have picked a better song than uh, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. So the Logan trailer uh, features, you know, old man Logan and uh, older man Patrick, or not Patrick Stewart, older man Charles Xavier. Um, It kind of looks like some type of cross-country trip trying to protect uh, someone who looks to be X-23. Is it Patrick Stewart, though? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so for what it's worth, I think it looks fantastic. I just feel like if you really want to step that far out from doing another X-Men film, then just do a different film. Cause this looks so completely different than any previous X-Men film or Wolverine film. I'm like, ah, I mean, I like, I think it looks good, but I'm like, it looks nothing like the other X-Men films. And I'm not complaining about that. Mind you. Yeah. Let's, let, let's take a breath. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't want you to make another shitty film, but I'm just saying, if you want to make a different film, make a different film. Um, you know, just because it, it just doesn't feel 
like it belongs in the same universe. Well, and I mean, that's the thing. It's just a, well, they just call it Logan, but they're using the old man Logan idea. Of course, they've obviously changed it a lot because they can't do the actual story from old man Logan. I'm kind of curious what the story is really going to be because it does seem to be a cross, you know, cross country trip, which the original one was as well. The original comic story. Yeah. But I don't know about having Xavier in it. I, that, well, you, you can't have Hawkeye, so you know yeah. that's what you got to do. Well, and you can't were, have the spider buggy, so that's also. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know what it reminded me of? It was like they're trying to take the you know Old Man Logan comic and the uh, Wolverine and the X Men cartoon and merge them together. I don't know. For me, it looked well, like The Last of Us, the movie. Yeah, it, it does get a little Last of Us. And, I, and I'm I, okay with that. Yeah, me too. I think the pro- problem with the Old Man Logan concept for the film is that I think one of the things that makes it wonderful in the comic is that it gets to play with the entire Marvel Universe. And all they're going to get to play with in this is the X-Men Universe. Um, and I think that makes it a little less fun. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. I'm still eager to see it because I like the idea of it. Uh, much. I mean, I still haven't seen the last X Men movie. Yeah, yeah you're, God, you're okay. don't. You're okay, Aaron. Do so, not <laughs> see that movie. <laughs> but see, telling uh, this, telling the story without. I mean, they have to do their own story, and that's a given. Right. Because you couldn't tell the story without Hulk. Right. And that's he was the thing. too big of a part of it. Exactly. Well, I, and I mean, having Hawkeye as, as his buddy and their. I mean, all the different elements. You know, you you had all those fun things like you know stumbling into all the artifacts of the of the Marvel Universe. Um, and you don't get that with it. That's in a universe that's built solely on the foundation of mutants. Yeah, I hope they have Johnny Cash music throughout the entire thing. Like, that, was I hooked? American <laughs> Four, yeah, anything from American Four, you're good to go. Just play that album throughout the whole movie. You're there good. you go. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I would have been as impressed with the trailer if it wasn't for the music tying it together. Because that music just pulls an emotion out of you. Yeah, I mean, it's a damn good trailer. I hope the film is good. I believe that's next. That's in March. Um, but, you know, so Aaron, you don't have to wait vanilla, as long for a for film. May- Maybe Vanilla Ice will uh, do the theme. Oh, you know. go, go Logan, Logan, go Logan, Logan go. <laughs> God damn it. That was not rehearsed. <laughs> but it was sad. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> good time. Well, in other movie news, it was released this week that Donald Glover from Community will be playing the young Lando Calrissian in the upcoming Han Solo uh, solo movie. So Donald Glover is the guy in Community who's the friend of uh, the Indian fellow, right? Correct. Yes. I like that guy. I yeah, like that he's, guy. he's I, 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 honestly, I think he's a great choice. I don't know who else they could have gotten with any form of star power um, for the role. He's also in the current series Atlanta on FX, I think. He was in The Martian. And he will be in Spider-Man Homecoming as well. Oh, that's right. He was in The Martian. He was the uh, tech guy mm-hmm. who who plotted the uh, the alternate course home. I think he's a good choice to play Uncle Tom Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Traitor. <laughs> I feel uh, like uh, the this Han Solo movie is going to tie into that Sena Solo storyline that they mentioned in the Star Wars comics. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they've got a, an African-American female lead in the film as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think we're, we're going to see, you know, they, they mention a job gone wrong 
in that film or in the in the comics, and I'm feeling like that's the story that we're going to get in the film in the the movie itself. So, Paul, did you drop the five ninety nine to buy the final issue of Star Wars? Uh, Darth Vader, no. Sorry, yes, Darth Vader. I apologize. Uh, I haven't either. I, you know, I'm caught up with the exception of that issue, but I was like five ninety nine. I'm gonna sit this one out. Yeah. Um, and, and wait for it to go on sale because I figure there'll be another Star Wars sale when Rogue One comes out. Well, and probably – so it's been released that there is a new um, – what's the – Kieran Gillen and Kev Walker yeah. uh, series doctor, based on the character of Dr. Aphra um, yeah. that is coming. And when that series comes out, I'm sure everything will be 99 cents and I'll get caught up yeah. uh, in time for that series. And hell yes, Marvel, give me a Dr. Aphra series. That is exactly what I've been yeah. wanting since you introduced her character. Oh, yeah, she's a great character. And, you know, identifying new characters within the within the the continuity, you know, if you're if you're going to tell the stories that happen between episodes four and six, I think that's great. But tell it with some other characters that you can raise the stakes on. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm excited about that. I mean, because like, you know, BT and uh, triple zero, triple zero are fantastic characters. Just fantastic characters. And, yeah, I mean, Kieran Gillen certainly got a taste for this. And I think that Jason Aaron does as well. Uh, his stories are perhaps a little bit more conventional. And I like how out of left field the Kieran Gillen stories come. Yeah, agreed. So I'm uh, really looking forward but to yeah, that series. And I got to tell you, the Darth Vader series is fan-freaking-tastic. I really enjoy the Darth Vader series. But the story, the, the series isn't about Darth Vader. And no. that's what I find interesting. It, it is about Dr. Afra and BT and triple zero. And I think because Kieran Gillen found some characters that he could do stuff with and not have to be, you know, uh, uh, boxed in by the established continuity. Yeah. So, agreed. Anyway, I haven't read special. that last issue. I haven't read that last issue yet. It's got a beautiful cover. Uh, I'm just waiting for it to go on sale. Cause I just, I mean, it, it's not an, it seems an excessive amount of, of money for uh, a, a, a comic book. Agreed. So. Well, so uh, thankfully not $6. I picked up the first issue of Spider-Man, uh, Dead No More, <laughs> The Clone Conspiracy, number one, written by Dam Slot, art by Jim Chung. Everyone knows I'm a huge Jim Chung fan. Uh, and, and friend of the podcast, Dan, Dan so Slot. I, I- Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say I was going to pick that up, but I wanted to hear what you and Wayne had to say about it before I did. So yeah. I'm going to sit back and listen. Because I haven't read a regular spider book in a little while, and so I was kind of jonesing for some Spider-Man. So I figured I'd give it a shot, too. Well, I don't know about you, Wayne, but I disliked this book quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me split this book up into two, because there's two stories. Yes. I disliked the first story. I actually kind of like the second one. Ooh, I dislike that one even greater than the first story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's start with um, the concept here, which is that the jackal is back. And, um, you know, when you hear jackal and when you see the word clones, you know, you you instantly go to clones. But it's clarified in this first issue. And you you can't hear it, but I'm going to roll my eyes when I described this. (laughs) They're not clones. They're regrown from the remains of the dead body, so they have all the memories up to and including death of the person. But so they're not clones. They're 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 the person just regrown. And all I could think of is so they're clones. Exactly. <laughs> they're clones, and this whole memories up until the point where they died has never made any sense in the cloning stories to begin with. Yeah. 
Um, so where that comes into play in the second story is that you get to see Gwen Stacy die from her point of view. Um, you know, when she originally died and realized that she died realizing or thinking that Peter had something to do with the death of her father and and finding out he was Spider-Man. So she died hating Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Which for the character at that time point makes sense. She hated Spider-Man already. Yeah. But I see, I did like that. I like seeing the death from her point of view, all the thoughts going through her head and then as she was falling and all of that as well. I could have done without the part to tie it back to the main storyline. Yeah. I mean, I could have done without... Here's the thing. So there's a there's a lot of Peter and um, Anna Maria in this book, and I enjoy their interaction quite a bit. Yes, I always have and think I always will. I like Anna Maria a lot. And I feel like I'm, I'm already predispos- predisposed to, uh, to dislike this book because I really dislike the fact that every time there's a goddamn Spider-Man event, it has to do with the Jackal. Um, and, 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 you not, know. not every time, not every time. Sometimes it's Dr. Octopus. It's fair, but in, but in, he's here too. Yeah, but he's here too. <laughs> and so it's like, come on, Spider-Man has more villains than just those two. And, um, so I just, for me, I, uh, I, this book, I didn't hate it. But it didn't strike me as something that I want to continue with. I, I, yeah. I'm not necessarily interested in where this story goes. Yeah, I'm not doing any more of the story. Yeah. I, it didn't hook me at all. I, you know, and I'm a clone. I like the clone story. I like the original clone saga. Most of it. Okay, right. some of it. Okay, there are a few gems in it. <laughs> but I, I, I don't apologize for that, Wayne. I, I, I love that original clone uh, saga. I mean, yeah, it went on really long, but I do enjoy that clone saga. I do too. Uh, and you know what? It was fun, and that's one thing that's yeah. absent from this book. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. not See, a lot of fun in Dead No More. See, I have all of the uh, the complete Ben Riley epics, and I love all of that. Except there's pieces in there like Maximum Clonage. Yeah, that I, I could do without that. I got. I, I'll tell you. You know, I really thought hard about picking this up because I do like Spider Man when he's written well, and I think Dan Slott, for the most part, does a good job with Spider Man. Uh, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it, even though the, the preview pages tempted me with Anna Marie, who's a, a supporting character that I just adore. Uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I was I was frustrated because I was like, man, I'd, I'd really like to read a Spider-Man book. And so what do they do? They put the amazing Spider-Man masterpiece collection on sale on Comixology, which are these, you know, giant uh, 10 issue collections of uh, the the archival run of Amazing Spider-Man for $3.99. So you're getting. Oh, you wow. Know, I, I didn't catch that. I, and I picked up probably four volumes all around this, the time where I started reading Spider-Man. Uh, so because I, I started picking up Spider-Man right after Gwen Stacy died. And uh, so I, I picked up all around that. And I mean, I just I, I love when they put that kind of sale on. And, and I think I, I tell you what, I think three ninety nine is the right price for those digital copies. You know what sale got me, Aaron? Hmm. They had uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think it, I saw that. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can I can see that I, I'd be picking up some of that as well. Yeah, it was all one big collection. It is. Uh, let's see how many pages this is. Four hundred and six pages. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good chunky book. Yeah, I would have picked yep. that up if I had seen it. Yeah, I got that a week or two ago, and it 
I was so excited because that is I love that whole period, but I love the uh, Marvel's mystical element at that point. Yeah. You know, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, the Dark Home, all of that. That is the best time in history for pretty much all of those characters. For Morbius yeah. and and Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider, the only Absolutely. one the only yeah. one that's more of a low point for is Doctor Strange. But even then, maybe not because Doctor yeah. Strange has sucked before and has kind of had we'll suck again. To, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, what I was thinking about just the other day because you know Halloween's just around the corner. There's not a good horror book out right now other than Afterlife with Archie, and which is you know irregularly released. Yeah. But I, there is not a good horror book you know in the past we've read things like you know dracula company of monsters uh you know yeah but i mean that there there just doesn't seem a a lot or anything out now other than you know say the uh the archie books that are that are 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 a strong horror performance i mean i know the thing is the closest is vision yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right it's it's got that suburban horror in it Yeah. yeah I mean, I think there are comics that are released. We just don't necessarily pick them up. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I agree. There's nothing that is I'm jonesing for, like I was yeah. with Company of Monsters. Right, and I think that I think the uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that there's nothing compelling. Yeah, out there That says, "Ooh, this is this is the thing to read." Uh, I mean, the, you know, the the Providence is still out there, and you know, certainly was publishing this year. But I mean, it, it's such a slow burn reading that Providence Cthulhu story, uh, it, it, it has annoyed me more than unsettled me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, so, yeah. Speaking of compelling books, I freaking loved the first issue of Mark Miller and Greg Capullo's Reborn book. I don't know if you guys did, but I loved this book. Yeah, I loved the socks off of this book. This is the book that uh, Capullo and Mark Millar have been working on for a while. In fact, Mark Millar has been banking all the artwork so that this book could come out on time through uh, the first story arc, which I think is exactly what independent comic creators should be doing. They should be – hell, even the big guys should be doing this because, I mean, you know, how many uh, big projects get delayed because the art can't get out on time? Uh but yeah, I, I, this book is gorgeous. I think it's well told, and uh, I, I think it's a it's a it's really setting up an interesting story. So Wayne, tell us what you thought. So I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I also like the idea that they've got this thing already a big chunk of it done because this is the kind of well, honestly, it doesn't matter what kind of story. I'm just sick of books starting and then having huge delays because it's getting frustrating the more often it happens. But I found this really interesting. It's a different kind of book. You know, as you're reading through, you get a glimpse of this other world early on. And then you go through the life of this woman who's just, she's at the end of her life and she's scared of death. And that's something you don't really see a lot in comics is kind of this, get you get into her head right leading up until that moment. And then the fantastic starts and you're kind of left wondering what exactly is going on here? Is this something magical? Is this something supernatural? Is this limbo, an afterlife of some sort? You know, no questions are answered, just posed. And it's fascinating. I'm definitely in for issue two. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Wayne. Uh, I, 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 
everything about this book just sings that the writing seems very earnest and heartfelt. Uh, we, we spend some time with the character before she dies in our world and is reborn in the other world. So you really get a sense of who she is. Um, I, I just, I, I dug it. I dug this book from beginning to end. And the art, I mean, we, we, we really have to say something about the art in this book, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, Greg Capullo is knocking it out of the park on these pages. Yeah, it looks like he's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's enjoying drawing something other than Batman. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I, he, he does. He looks like he's having a big time. And I mean, the I just it's not just the characters. It's the backgrounds. It's the settings. It's the technology. Uh, I, I, I just love this whole thing. Agreed. I've never seen such a beautifully drawn hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good book. It's a good book. I, you know, there is a a beautiful full page spread where you're seeing, you know, moments from her entire life, and it's all kind of showering down on her. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I just, I keep coming back to that page uh, to look at it because there's so much going on there. Yeah, really well done book. Um, so I'm definitely yeah. on board for the series. I think it's four issues. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Greg Capullo will be back at DC working with uh, Scott Snyder on the 2017 uh, big DC event, whatever. It's not been announced what it is, but th that's the creative team on it. It's Afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what they're going to call it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so now we know what DC books are leading up to. They're leading up to that big event. They're leading up to the, the Justice League Suicide Squad crossover. And so little things are, are, are hinted out throughout DC uh, books in, in the coming weeks and, and this week. Um, let's let's talk about DC. Uh, usually we, we, we have nothing but DC, but I wanted to mix it up. So that's why we started with Marvel and Image. But now we got a couple DC books. Now, now we're on the DC portion of the podcast. <laughs> Last week, Action Comics number 965 featuring Lois Lane, Back at the Planet, part one from Dan Jurgens, And uh, I think the artist by Steven Segovia and Art Thibert came out uh did we all read this one we all read this one that's kooky talk i know yeah. tim what'd you think um it's a another beautifully drawn book uh, I'll, I'll say that much and uh you know here's the thing i i think i've decided i i, I need some superman this this new old Superman. I need some Superman in my life. I need to figure out which book it's gonna be, because I don't I don't need three, you know. And oh no, you do. No, I you really do. I really don't. Um, yeah, you you have uh, you're suffering from a severe Superman deficiency, and the only way we can cure that is by having you read all three of the Superman books. I'm sorry, I really, I really don't it's, need it. Like I, it's medically we're, required. We're going to talk about Trinity in a minute, but I I think Trinity's making the cut, and I started picking up Action because I thought it was going to be a Lex Luthor book, which they 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 uh, they cover effed me on. I'm I'm not I'm done being nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a really good book and it's it's making it's making my choices hard because you know in this book they have the cover for Superman 10 and uh I'm all in on Superman 10. <laughs> and then they're going to and then they show the cover for Action 967 I'm like son of a <laughs> cuz it's another cover with Lex Luthor. So I I I'm not real interested in Lois Lane at the Daily Planet which is what this story was. 
Um, it was interesting to see uh, her try to be her doppelganger or she's the doppelganger, however you want to look at it. Um, and I could see why people would like picking up this book, especially if they can't get enough Superman. Like, you know, you guys have been jonesing because you didn't like the new 52 Superman. But th- like I said, that said, I I'm trying to figure out where uh, what I'm going to buy. And uh, to be honest, the 299 price point makes it easier for me to go. Maybe one more issue of this. Let's let's try to figure out what I'm what I'm enjoying. What did you guys think? I I like this book a whole lot. I I liked, uh, you know, the original universe, Lois Lane, uh, wandering around the daily planet offices of the new 52 and trying to figure out what happened to other Lois, you know, because we all know that that uh, the new 52 Lois Lane died in issue one of Superwoman. And but uh, for whatever reason that I don't quite understand, uh, Lana Lang hasn't told anybody about that. I, I don't get that, and I'm reading Superwoman, but uh, uh, you know, she, so Lois is trying to figure out what happened because she got a mysterious letter from uh, Lo- the New Fifty Two Lois before she died. My only, I, I like this book a lot, so let me say that right now. And I, I am, I am in. I am picking up the next one. I can't, I can't get enough of these uh, Superman stories involving the the Superman returned from the original universe. But the artwork is a little weird on some of these pages. The scene where Superman is flying Lois Lane uh, over their home uh, just looks weird to me. It, it almost looks like something sexual is going on there. And I don't think that was the intent of the page. Um, it just looks a little weird. Um, it does it just are you talking about the the flying butt sex oh yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. and i mean no that's what was happening (laughs) and it it goes on for a couple of panels and it you know it just uh it just bothered me and again i I wouldn't be opposed to the uh, super sex in the air but you know if we're going to do that let's just embrace it i don't think that was the thing i think it was supposed to be hey we're spooning in the air but it was just such a a shot from you know from the profile and it's repeated in one two three four five panels uh it just seems weird to me well and what was amusing is before that he makes a comment that i kind of misread so he's flying lois out in the open and she makes a comment about someone will see us and uh starts to talk about the tunnel that they built Uh uh-huh his reply is, it's dark, let's have some fun. Right, yeah. For When I read that, I'm like, oh, they're going to go have sex in the tunnel. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, if you're Superman, go up in the clouds and, and do your thing. But I, I just, I need them to embrace that. And I'd also like to say that uh, there are some of the pages, like when the, when the, the book opens up, there is that wonderful shot of Superman flying over the Daily Planet. planet. I think that's gorgeous. I love that shot. But some of these other panels, uh, Lois just seems to be wearing generic clothes, right? She's wearing generic blouse, generic, you know, skirt, and really has generic haircut. And there's there's nothing of the Lois Lane character that we know. Now, I know they've been keeping a low profile, so her farm life... I mean, she she her clothes still look rather plain. And while she's combing her hair, perhaps a little bit differently, 
um, she doesn't have that Lois Lane pop uh, that we've seen. And that's and, and I think that is not a writer's choice. I think that is the artist's choice. And that's kind of bugging me a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting to me, too. So you've got a Lois that's older and she looks at least a little different, but she's trying to play the younger her for a short time. Right. The person I'm most surprised didn't catch it is Lex. Right. You've got somebody who's one of the most intelligent people on the planet who knows that there's doppelgangers going, you know, around right now, and he doesn't catch it at all. Right. But anywho, uh, you know, I like the book. I just there's some artistic choices I don't much care for. Well, so Tim mentioned another Superman book. Trinity number two came out this week also from Francis Manupol. We talked about issue one and how uh, I think we, we enjoyed it. Enough to give it a second issue. At least three of us did. And well, Wayne, you never, you didn't read Trinity number one. Yeah, I read it. Oh, but you and oh, I you, bought number two. I just haven't finished it. I halfway through it. So, uh, Aaron, what did you think of Trinity number two? I dug the hell out of this book. Uh, I, I I will say I feel like we're retreading some things that we're covering in the other books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I there are these wonderful moments where uh, Superman is getting to talk to Pa Kent. And I, I don't, you know, through the book, you're, you're kind of, I really don't get what's going on here. And then at the end of the book, it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, but I, re- I, I rather enjoyed this. I thought this, I, 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 there are very sentimental, nostalgic notes that are hit in this book uh, that I rather dug. And it's, and it's a pretty easy uh, hook to grab because just about everybody has had a had a loss where you're like, you know, if I just had one last yeah. conversation with the person and, you know, that's, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those universal hooks. Yeah. So when I'm reading it, I'm, um, and very, I'm invested minute one. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Now the, the only thing that I'll, I'll complain about is the reveal at the end of the book as to what's really going on. And it is just so much like uh, uh, that story. Uh, what do you get for the man who's got everything? It was an Alan Moore Superman story. Yep. And and I was like, well, this is just a retread of that. Well, and I, <laughs> and it is. It's but I think it's intentional. I don't think it's intended retread. I think it's intended to be homage. Yeah. Well, I I never read that, so I, I I'm not I'm not picking up on that. And I sort of like. The, the you know the the person that's that's behind it yeah I thought that was an interesting choice yeah because it well that being said she's no uh, Mongol oh I'm spoiling it um, she's no Mongol uh, you know seeing Poison Ivy was was pretty cool seeing the starros on their chest I liked the twist Aaron um, it, now that being said yeah I, it, it 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 is a bit retread um, but you know I didn't I didn't see it coming which I should have. Um, you know, I should have seen it coming that, oh, it's, you know, it's it's Starro, it's that kind of thing. But I, I really thought it was more like a time travel or alternate universe. Right. So this makes a lot more sense. And I, I, I enjoyed that twist. And God damn, the art on this book. Um, oh, yeah. the the I love the way Batman is drawn in this book. Oh, yeah. Love, love, love the way Batman is drawn in this book. And then, you know, the thing that I find interesting is, you know, uh, in the new 52 redesign, they took the the wearing the shorts on the outside of your pants uh, off of all the characters, right? And so I think when you look at the Superman costume, that still doesn't look right to me. No. 
but I think Batman looks fantastic. You know, I think that the that the Batman costume makes sense without the shorts on the outside. Uh, and it's probably the utility belt that that breaks that up and makes yeah. it look right. Uh, but it, the, the the design still isn't working for me on Superman. Uh, I almost wish that they just put pants on him, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, as opposed to you know having him in the union suit. But uh, you know, I sure do. I sure do like the way uh, Batman is drawn in this book. He's just super sharp. You know, one of the things that we I I, I thoroughly enjoyed was. Batman basically saying this is a mistake. He's being he's being stupid. And Wonder Woman's like, eh, it's okay. And Batman's like, okay, let me explain it to you in a way you would understand. <laughs> you're just you're clearly not getting it. No, you're just basically it's you're just a you're just you're just a meathead. So let me yeah. explain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I would call it mansplaining, but I guess it's batsplaining. Batsplaining. <laughs> well, and so there's one thing that did bug me in this book. Story What's choice. And it's not just an artistic choice because it's the same guy doing the art and the story, which is they're riding around in Pa Kent's truck with their costumes on. Right. But no one will notice. But the, you know, they're 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 doing that so that to keep a low key as opposed to flying around. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because Superman is hanging his head out the window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hanging his arm out like the window. They're riding around in costume. And keep in mind, at this point, they're still assuming it's time travel. So none of them really exist in you know as as these characters at this time so going in plain clothes no one's gonna say oh, you're bruce wayne you know it's not their, their secret identities are not at risk as far as what they're concerned um so, so, so i thought that was interesting well with with clark i sort of get it because it's like i'm going for a ride in the old man's old man's truck one last time right you know, what for, for 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 Batman especially, it's like this is stupid. We're being really stupid right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I you know, but don't you think you know Batman's the guy you put in the trailer bed? Yeah, you know, he goes he goes in the back of the truck. Yeah, he doesn't ride up front. In the back. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to know how you get all four of those people in the in the front of that uh, truck. No joke. Uh, they're not small people. No, they're not. I mean, you know, Superman and Batman are, are great big guys, and so is Pa Kent for crying out loud. Kent, pa Kent looks like a strapping man right there. Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. Hauling, hauling Superman out of the water like he's a fish. Just, yeah. <laughs> I, I do need. I would love to see Batman riding in the back in in in, in the bed of a pickup truck, <laughs> perhaps with a beer in his hand. <laughs> you know, just a, you know casually with the battering in his hand for uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, just, uh. you know i could take out a cow from here <laughs> he's like this is why i don't like new superman he's new superman's kind of a dick <laughs> but i i do, i really enjoyed trinity, trinity. I you know what i enjoyed even more than trinity paul is it superman even, number nine? Oh my god fuck god, yes this book was good jesus lou this book was good um it, and, and good on so many levels. Uh, it's beautiful to look at. It yeah. is, uh, you know, the, it is part two of Return to Monster Island. And so you've got dinosaurs and, and, and whatnot. Plus, what? Giant mutant apes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you've got, uh, you know, uh, Storm from the Losers, um, you know, full on with, you know, amputated leg and, and, and eye patch. And you've got uh, a full page spread of Captain Storm riding a pterodactyl with Superman and his yeah. son and Crypto in 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 a poster worthy shot. Yeah, 
Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful no, page. Can, can I add that crypto didn't get eaten in this issue? <laughs> well, uh, well, he almost he got did eaten. get set on fire. Yeah, he got set on fire. He, yeah, he blew but up. he didn't. He didn't get uh, eaten. That's true. But you know, there is a a wonderful panel uh, between Superman and Superboy, in which Superman says, you know, uh, the way you act and carry yourself like a big guy. Sometimes you make me forget. And his son says, well, forget what? And he says, that you're only 10 years old. And his son's scared. He's, he's afraid that they're not going to get out uh, and you'll know, be able to see their mother, his mother again. And I, I just I, – this is – when we talked years ago about you know what, what we would do if we were writing Superman, and I said Superman and son, this is exactly the book I've been looking for. You know, the only difference here is that in the story that I pitched, Lois Lane had died. But uh, this is working, too. <laughs> so you can keep Lois Lane around because I am getting exactly what I want out of this book with uh, Superman and his little boy. So I was kind of disappointed by the last issue, but I loved this one. I don't know. The last one, it just seemed it didn't seem like anything really happened. It was just wandering around, crypto getting eaten again and all of that. This issue felt like it was moving you know, moving along a little bit better. And I got such a kick out of Superman using his heat vision to carve an artificial leg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, why didn't you pick up this book? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, I, 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 I'm not a, I could, Dinosaur Island, I, I guess I could have cared. You know, I guess that was my part of it. And like I said, I, I don't want to get three Superman books. I need to I need to figure it out. That that's my that's my thing. <laughs> now, like I said, Superman ten I'm gonna buy. Like that that has to happen. Because uh, for those that aren't aren't aware, Superman ten the the cover it's it's called In the Name of the Sons I believe, uh -huh. In the Name of the Father, and it's Superman and his boy and Batman and Damian Wayne like in profile. Yeah, and uh, I I can't. That, spend that cover looks pretty damn hot. Right. So, so it, it seems it seems point. to me, Tim, mm -hmm. it seems to me, Tim, that what you're saying is that I like awesome things. I just can't have three awesome things. That's what it sounds like. It's like I, it's, it's more like I need action comics to be less about Superman, which, to be honest, this was more about Lois Lane. So that's what I'm getting. I, I, I need you I, want it to be about Lex, I, I, which is what we I thought it was going to die be. for it to be with about Lex. But I'm not going to get that book. And I uh, Trinity was kind of uh, I can't believe I'm like, you know, I'm like I'm really into this book because honestly, I, I miss Wonder Woman, to be fair. So I'm getting that book and it's like, you're right, Aaron. They're all good, but I can't justify buying three Superman books when I'm only buying like one Batman book, you know, <laughs> it's, okay. it's not in my character. OK, all right. We forgive you. Oh, no, no, I, I don't forgive. I just understand. Oh, OK. I'm still holding this against you. <laughs> in your that's, in your performance that's appraisal. That's correct. That, that's fine. So, Aaron. Sir. We have we are we are zero zero for two in DC's young new young animal imprint. Uh huh. This week, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Perhaps the title we were most excited for came out uh -huh. featuring uh, written written by Gerard Way and John Rivera with cover and art by Michael Avon Oming. Are, are we 0 for 3, or what did you think of Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye? I liked this book rather a lot. 
Yeah, I, I think I loved this issue, actually. Yeah. I, I Now, first, let's just talk about uh, variant covers. Um, the There is a Bill Sienkiewicz variant cover. Uh, who else? There, there are several variants. Um, is that Tim Sale, I believe? Yes. Um, see, uh, oh, no, cover Matt, Matt and, Wagner, excuse me. Yeah, you had a Matt Wagner and then a uh, Bill Sienkiewicz uh, cover. And both of those are just gorgeous, as well as the as the main cover, uh, which is by Tim Sale. I mean, I thought all three of those covers were great. Uh, like the other Young Animals books, this book is weird. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> not know, to the point but, of being um, hard to understand or grasp. Right. No, I, I the, uh, of the three Young Animals books I have read so far, that's Doom Patrol, Shade the Changing Girl, and now Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Cave Carson is by, for, by far the most accessible, in my opinion. Yes. Um, because there is, it is grounded a little bit more. There's still some weird stuff, and the weird stuff comes from his cybernetic eye. He's got this piece of alien technology in his head that reveals things to him that he doesn't understand. Um, and I, 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 you know, he is a guy who just lost his wife. He's in that mourning process. He's got a cybernetic eye that's doing some weird stuff. Um, it appears that a lot of his, uh, background was generated for the media. Yeah, maybe some of, some of what we have understood about Cave Carson isn't necessarily true. So keep in mind, Cave Carson is a character that I think was created back in 1960. Um, so he's been around at DC Comics for a long time, but never had the the breakout appeal of of guys, you know, not just like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, but even of guys like Blue Beetle. I mean, Cave Carson has shown up in some books. He was in the Time Masters book from the 80s and was a, a nice supporting character there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in, uh, if I recall correctly, he does appear in the Darwin Cook uh, uh, New Frontiers book. But, you know, he's he's not a character that has been you know widely used uh, and ha- certainly hasn't been popular. Uh, but I've always kind of liked Cave Carson. He's kind of that 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 pulp hero kind of guy like, you know, uh, we're going to travel to the center of the, of the planet and, you know, discover the, you know, Nazi hell hamsters. You know, he's he's that kind of guy. He's kind of a pulp hero. Yeah, um, I, I dug this book, Paul. I, I, I like the artwork. I like the storytelling. Uh, I like the stuff that it's teasing. I think this 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 is there is a a palpable amount of wonder on the yes. page, uh, while still being dark. It's not a, a silly like, hey, look at all the crazy stuff going on. There is a darkness to it, but also a sense of wonder uh, and a brightness to it. I I dig this book. I, I think it's I think it's a very well done. Uh, uh, title and I'm so glad because I wanted these young animals books to be good. I recognize the quality on the page on both Doom Patrol and Shade the Changing Girl. Just neither one of them were my jam. Yeah, uh, but this one I, I strongly liked. Well, you know, and a couple of things that I did enjoy about the book are the fact that it is firmly set in the DC universe. Yes. So you have the Metal Men make an appearance. You have references to Superman. Um, you know, other and and I'm. I you know you mentioned the Sienkiewicz cover, which I totally just glossed over when mm-hmm. I when I first read the book, and I'm glad I did because it made the ending a surprise for me. <laughs> um, yeah, which it wouldn't have had I looked at the cover, which is that uh, you know Cave Carson's best bud is Wild Dog, right? And I thought that was a cool twist. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
you know, yes, there's some weird stuff going on. I, I, I like that it's related to hallucinations from the eye rather than it just being a surreal story that doesn't make sense. Um, but there is one thing that I that is surreal about the book. And I'm sure it's intentional, but I don't know if it's supposed to indicate something, mm-hmm. which is his facial hair. How it comes and goes. <laughs> How it comes and goes. Yeah. Like on one page he's he's clean shaven, on the next page he has a beard and it's the neck and it's supposedly the next day. Mm-hmm. Um so I I'm I'm wondering what the intent is there. Is it is it so totally a screw up or maybe it, they're trying to show that he's so manly he can grow a beard overnight. And maybe they are. I mean I wouldn't well, put it past them but I just don't know. So Paul, are you talking about the scene where he's kind of in his home office and the next the next time you see him uh he's at the at the lab? Well, so a couple of things, right? So it, his daughter is watching a video where she right. and that and that's that's past tense. That's from back. That's from the their media generated background, right? Yeah, and so she breaks a board, and you can see he's clean shaven. But by the end of the video, he has a beard. Yeah, because I think he's training her over time. Okay, well that could be it. But then the next okay. scene, you see him in the workshop with uh, who is revealed to be Wild Dog. That was three months later. Yep, and so, so he's, he's the, got a little bit of scruff, right? But he says, I, I, we're grabbing dinner after my appointment tomorrow. And so the next page, I'm assuming, is tomorrow, and he has a full beard. Right. So I, he, he did, to my knowledge, he did not grow that beard overnight. Well, I guess he did grow that beard overnight. It just seems, it seems like either an oversight or something intentional. Like Wayne said, maybe the point is that he's so manly he can grow, to, grow a beard overnight. Maybe that's what they're going for. Because um, I have to believe it's not unintentional. Right. I think one of my favorite scenes in the book is that he walks through the room with the metal men all sitting at, at, on the couch, you know, chatting. And it's just like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh, great. The metal men are here. Oh, well, then don't the metal men are not, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not following us in this story. Nope. Despite the fact that he could have used some help later on in the story. You know, I kind of like when books do things like that, though, where they – They'll have the character, but it's not a big deal. It's not a crossover. It's just a acknowledging that yes, this is the a connected world. So, Paul, what did you think of the uh, Wonder Twins backup story? Oh Jesus, I didn't even read it. <laughs> I, I looked at it. I looked at it. I looked at the first page, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna skip this. <laughs> I, I would not have read it except that it had the superpowers logo on it. I, and, that, know, from, and I saw that the, Superpowers logo, and I was like, oh, we have a backup. And then I start – I literally got a panel into it, and I'm like, hmm, I can tell I'm not going to like this. But, you know, Joker and uh, his joke his uh, joke troopers appear in addition to Batgirl and Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I am so familiar with saying. Tom Scioli, the uh, the artist and writer of the, this little backup feature, and I am not a fan of his. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I do not care for his style. I don't either, I but I did read it. Uh, just because I was curious. And once I realized that it was Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins, I was yeah. like, okay, well, I'm going to have to read this. And what did you think? It, it was fine. I just, you know, it, I wonder if these back sto- backup stories are anything other than backup stories, you know, like additional content that doesn't apply to the continuity or if that means that we're actually going to see Zan and Jaina later on. Uh-huh, that's possible. You know, because, you know, we did get a little bit of that in the uh, – what was it? The Teen Titans book that, uh, uh, good God, who was writing? Jeff Johns was writing. Oh yeah, that's true. You, 
Yeah, I mean, not that they hung around long and one of them got eaten, but uh, uh, but you know, I, I so I mean, I just you know, I might be interested in that. I might be interested in seeing a a new fifty two ish slash rebirth slash afterbirth take on the Wonder Twins <laughs> slash afterbirth. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. <laughs> so one more book to talk about in this jam-packed episode of Funny Books, which is Star Trek Boldly Go, written by Mike Johnson, art by Tony Shastine, which we found out during Star Trek Mission New York would take place after the events of Star Trek Beyond during that time period in which they are rebuilding the USS Enterprise. And so the crew of the USS Enterprise has been reassigned to new ships and new roles. Uh, some have been chosen to some have chosen to spend time away from Starfleet. Others have embarked on new opportunities, um, and so this this follows the crew in their various uh, you know various roles and, and what they've decided to do. And so, Aaron, you know, I, you you picked up the ongoing series pretty regularly, if I recall. Yes, sir. Um, yep. I did not. You know, I picked it up periodically depending on storyline. Um, but I, I decided to give this issue a shot. I enjoyed Star Trek Beyond and, you know, was curious about this storyline. It sounded interesting based on what we heard. What did you think of this issue? Yeah. I love this book. Um, uh, Tony Shastine is rocking the artwork. I, I, you know, for me in a Star Trek book, technology is important in the way it's rendered. And he does a beautiful job drawing the sh- both the interiors and the exteriors of the ships. Uh, that was big for me. The, you know, sometimes a cheat that a... Uh, an artist will do in any situation, not 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 just science fiction, but they won't draw a detailed background. And, you know, you felt like you were on set with these with these uh, uh, panels. I mean, everything from San Francisco to New Vulcan to being on ship to uh, being in space. All of those backgrounds are drawn uh, wonderfully. I loved all the different takes on the characters. Um, yeah, I think it's setting up a great story and spoilers I just got to say, I just got to say that trying not to buy this book, well, resisting it is futile. Yes. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it looks like the big bad is, the Borg. Uh, uh, okay, I need to buy this book right now. Wait, it's a damn book good was, book. It's a damn good book. It's a damn good book. I, I enjoyed the living tar out of this book. Uh, I, 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 I was so excited to read it. Um, not, I didn't have any clue. I mean, they didn't tease any of that when we were at mission New York and were, uh, attended the IDW, uh, comics panel. Um, they just said we're telling the future, the further adventures of Kirk and his crew while they wait for their new ship to be built. Uh, and this book was awesome. Totally dug this book. And I liked in the new crew, you know, cause they introduced a lot of new characters. Uh, and I was, I was sad we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with Captain Terrell. Because I kind of liked him. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good book. I, I dug it. I dug it. I dug it. I dug it. Yeah. And if you enjoyed the the Star Trek movies, uh, you know, the the, the Kelvin-verse, um, especially Star Trek Beyond, definitely check it out. Uh, it, yeah. it, it definitely has that right feel. Um, so I enjoyed it. And, and I'm on board. And Star Trek Beyond comes out in Blu-ray in two weeks. Ooh, very exciting. Very excited. And you know what else I'm excited about, Paul? What's that? Next up in the podcast feed, Ghosts of Rainsboro recorded at ManCon. Uh, this will be season 1.5 of Ghosts of Rainsboro. Pretty exciting stuff. Yes. Finally, yeah. some new Ghosts of Rainsboro on Halloween, no less. Well, around <laughs> Halloween, no less. Halloween. So spend your so Halloween with the ghosts. What's coming out next week? Oh, fuck if I know. 
Okay, all right. Well, Ghost of Rainsboro. Ghost of Rainsboro is coming out next week, and that's all you really need to know. All you need to know. That's all you need to know. All right, guys. Well, good hustle today. Were we hustling? I mean, we we had a lot to talk about today. So there was there it was it was a jam packed episode. That was not even an alliteration. We had a lot of stuff to talk. Yeah, about. And, and we cut stuff. And we cut stuff like Paul. Yeah, yeah, we had to cut Paul. <laughs> we but, shit uh, stuff all over the, this program. The, the, the Paul knife is so sharp he doesn't even realize he's he's bleeding out yep. right now. Uh, it's it's <laughs> tis the season. Yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be Halloween if you didn't come out with a scar. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Bye. You guys have a good one and come back. Ghosts of Rainsboro. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 